Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. All right, here we go. Another overflow. Another, another, another overflow, man, as we press into vitality and intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, seeking to uh, bring about uh, teaching, understanding wisdom in the kingdom that begets life, that begets life. Uh, hit that notification button, hit subscribe, uh, go to trexo.org and uh, subscribe to the overflow pod blog, subscribe to our ministry update so you can stay in the know, part of Team Trexo. As together, together, we are seeking to build movements of kingdom disciple-making one person at a time. We're going to build these things together. Movements of kingdom disciple-making, movements of love, one person, one step, one issue at a time. We are pressing in today to a beginning of, I don't know how long this is going to go, three weeks, maybe four weeks of uh, examination of the four Babylons. Four biblical Babylons. Why are we doing this? I don't know. We're doing this because I was reading Revelation the other day. And just out of the middle of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, Revelation 14, uh, verse 8, the apostle John just drops this and says, Another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. That's Revelation 14. Well, for the previous 13 chapters, John hadn't said a word about Babylon. Not a word. In fact, John is riding underneath the yoke of the Roman Empire, and Babylon is not mentioned in the rest of the New Testament. Babylon is not a, it's not an up and front issue. And so, where in the heck did this come from? Uh, and so, I've known this thread that we're going to walk down for a long time, uh, but refreshed my uh, memory of it, my study of Babylon, and it fits hand in glove. A couple of weeks ago, we did five Israels. We've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God. And so uh, Babylon fits right into that. So we say, why, why Babylon? Because as you will see, uh, just jump off the page today, Babylon forms a powerful, powerful biblical thread that sheds super important light on the reality of our world and the end time stuff that's going on right now is directly connected uh, to biblical Babylon uh, so that Babylon plays a central role in the big picture narrative of the kingdom war in which we re- which we live. So that's one reason. The second reason why Babylon is because God our Father really does a deliberate work in Scripture of showing us what is going on, quote-unquote, behind the scenes. From the moment that you and I wake to the truth that what is going on in the Spirit is more essential uh, than what is going on in the physical, we must begin to set our minds, our hearts and minds, to learning about the unseen. God, our Father, throughout Scripture, peels back the veil of the physical world and gives us pictures, sometimes glimpses, sometimes real clear pictures, into what's going on into the supernatural. And this thread of Babylon is a is a ripping open of the physical world to help us understand what's going on in the supernatural. Uh, and so we want to uh, we want to expose ourselves to that. Uh, number two, number three, why Babylon? Because you have a spirit. Your life is far much more than the physical being that you can see in a mirror. Uh, So much of your daily life is driven by your spiritual health. 
So much so that the Apostle Paul says this, Galatians 5.25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We are supposed to be these spiritually dynamic and spiritually vivacious people. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not often the case. And so we're going to study Babylon as a way of opening ourselves up to that a little bit further. And number four, why Babylon? Because you are deeply connected to your generations, deeply connected to your generations. And we're going to see in our study today of the depth of generational connectedness generational connectedness you must we must wake up to the influence of the specific generational family line into which you were born into which i was born so many realities of our lives today so many experiences in our lives today so many of the hindrances and the limitations and the hesitations that we have in our lives today are directly connected to our generational lineage and we're going to see that in um, in babylon uh, unfortunately uh, we who follow christ in the west uh, which most of you listening to this are in the West. We're, we're far too physical, far too natural, far too isolated from our family histories and the way that we practice and the way that we understand our faith. So my prayer is that God our Father through the Holy Spirit would continue to make our spirituality far more reflexive in our souls and constant as we follow King Jesus for our lives. And so let's get to work on Babylon. Let's get to work on Babylon. Now, biblically, there are three Babylons. Biblically, there are three Babylons. Historically, historically, there's a fourth one that we want to point to just momentarily. Uh, so let's outline these four. And then for today, we're going to do a prologue study on the Babylonian issue. The Babylonian issue is so pervasive. It's so threaded. It's so we got to get the prologue so that we can get the rest of it, the rest of it, the rest of it correct. We got to set the table right. So the first Babylon is the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11. We're going to set the table for Genesis chapter 11 today. Secondly is what's called the First Babylonian Empire. This is a geopolitical Babylonian Empire that is uh, geographically, that is in what mostly is modern day Iran. And this, the dates of the First Babylonian Empire, 1894 to 1595 BC, 1894 to 1595 BC, the most famous king of the first Babylonian empire is your good friend and mine, Hammurabi. Hammurabi, you might've heard of the Hammurabi code. It's one of the first um, codified sets of law that archeologists have found. That's Hammurabi. He's of the first uh, Babylonian empire. The Bible says nothing. There's a hint, but it says nothing explicitly about the first Babylonian empire. The third Babylon, is the Neo, what's called the Neo-Babylonian Empire. So you got the Tower of Babel, you got First Babylonian Empire, then you have the Neo-Babylonian Empire, 629 to 539 BC. This will sound exquisitely familiar to you. The, the most famous king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire was Nebuchadnezzar. And when you hear Nebuchadnezzar, your brain, if you've been in the Bible world for any period of time, your brain should go to Daniel. Uh, Daniel's book uh, is uh, primarily about, largely about the Neo-Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, spent a lot of his time railing against Nebuchadnezzar, Neo-Babylonian Empire. That's the third iteration of Babylon. And then the fourth one, so we got the Tower of Babel, First Babylonian Empire, Neo-Babylonian Empire. The fourth Babylon is the Revelation Babylon, the Babylon that we find in the book of Revelation. We saw this in our text, Revelation 14 to 8, but telescope out a little bit. Revelation 14.8 all the way through to the end of chapter 18, verse 24. Revelation 14.8 all the way through to 18.24 is, um, uh, is a description of this Revelation Babylon, this new iteration of the empire 
of Babylon. And this is weird. This is one of the Apostle John's acid trips uh, because he has all these crazy visions. The most famous leader of that iteration of Babylon or this iteration of Babylon is is the, a woman riding on a seven-headed, uh, ten-horned scarlet beast. Yes, and that description is found in Revelation 17, Revelation 18, where the Apostle John is given a vision of this woman riding on a scarlet beast uh, that has uh, seven heads and ten horns, and her name is called Babylon. And she has made the nations to drink of her wine, and, and she's toxic, and, and away we go. And so there are those four Babylons, the Tower of Babel, First Babylonian Empire, Neo-Babylonian Empire, Revelation, uh, Revelation Babylon. So in the beginning of our Babylonian review, I just want you to see from an overview standpoint that Revelation Babylon is a continuation of the Babel thread that's begun in, generation, in Genesis 11. And we're going to see some significant events in that as we continue to walk through this. But then secondly, I want you to see that Babylon actually becomes synonymous with the kingdom of Satan. And this is where it starts to get real specific for us. Babylon, when we get to Revelation, becomes synonymous with the kingdom of Satan. This is going to have profound implications on our understanding of geopolitics in our world, uh, in our world today. So hang on to those. And then we'll keep coming back to them. I know this is a lot, but um, you'll see how this all, all this connects. And I'll try and be um, blatantly obvious in, in the, uh, the connections as we go through this. For, but for today, let's do a prologue on the Tower of Babel. Let's do a prologue on the Tower of Babel. Now, Bible opens up Genesis 1 and 2. God, our Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, makes creation. As a centerpiece of his work, he makes man and woman in his image, and he places them in the Garden of Eden. He gives them dominion and authority over all creation, and he commands Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make creation so that man can enjoy life, can enjoy life in intimacy with them, Man and woman to be to be in intimate fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, free-flowing, no obstacles at all, and in intimate connection with each other. Genesis chapter 3, the very next chapter, an enemy appears. An enemy appears on the scene. Uh, this enemy it, it hungers to lead man into rebellion. This is going to be critically important throughout our Babel thread, Babylon thread. The enemy hungers to lead man into rebellion against the one true God, stealing intimacy. God, our Father makes man and woman, intimacy. Here we go. We're going to live this great family life together, made in my image. Enemy shows up. I want you to rebel against your family. I want you to rebel against your family. And when you do that, you're going to lose, you're going to lose intimacy. The enemy that you and I obviously come to know is Satan wants to lead man into rebellion that destroys intimacy. Destroys intimacy. That's his, his intent is to wreck this love relationship between creator and created. And Satan succeeds. He succeeds. Uh, Adam and Eve fall, they sin, they rebel. And when they do that, they hand over earthly reign to Lucifer, Satan. They hand over. So now today, Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world. He's the ruler of this world, sets up the enmity between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of Jesus against the kingdom of Satan. And we're going to see how all of this plays out. By the time we get to Genesis 6, that's Genesis 1-2. Genesis 3, the fall of man. By the time we get to Genesis 6, mankind has fallen into such rebellion and such depravity that Scripture says this. This is, this is terrible in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Then Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. God's evaluation of his creation F, not, 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 not so good. 
Consequently, Yahweh wipes the world out with the flood. You know this story. But he saves mankind through Noah and his family. Yahweh starts over. Yahweh starts over. Now, Noah has three sons. Three sons through whom God our Father Yahweh is going to restart his creative work. Three sons of Noah. Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Eventually, Abraham, the father of the Jews, will be birthed in the lineage of Shem. In the lineage of Shem. Shem, by the way, is where the term Semite, the terms Semite and anti-Semitism come from. So to be an anti-Semite literally means to be against Shem, who is Abraham's great, 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 great grandfather. Shem, uh, Abraham is born in the line of Shem. Noah's got three sons, Shem, Japheth, and Ham. We are told in Genesis 9.20, this is funny. We are told in Genesis 9.20 that one of the first things that Noah did when he stepped off the ark after the flood was to plant a vineyard and get drunk. He'd been on a boat all that time, all those stinky animals, all the family drama. And the first thing he does when he gets off the boat is he plants a vineyard and he gets drunk. That's what you would do. That's what I would do. That's what you would do. That's what I would do. Apparently, Noah got so drunk, he also got very naked. Uh, when Noah got drunk, his clothes came off. Now, we know from the time of man's fall in Genesis 3 that being naked was a source of shame and guilt. So Noah's nakedness because of alcohol was an embarrassment. was an embarrassment. Ham, Noah's youngest son, finds his dad passed out and naked. Instead of turning his head and covering his father in a dignified manner, Ham runs out and tells his brothers and makes a big scene out of the deal, dishonoring his dad. Shem and Ham do what, excuse me, Shem and Japheth, uh, the two older brothers do what Ham should have done and respectfully cover their father's condition. When Noah wakes up, he understands, he knows, he's aware that his son has humiliated him and uh, moves to uh, discipline Ham for his rebellion and bless Shem and Japheth for their honor. The way that Noah disciplines Ham is by cursing one of his sons. You will recognize Ham's son who is cursed because his name is Canaan. Before Canaan was called the land, that before the Canaanites were a people, Canaan was the son of Ham. And Canaan was cursed because of his dad's disobedience. Uh, Canaan would go on to be the first group that populated the promised land. So Israel under the leadership of Joshua, would go into the promised land and rout out uh, the Canaanites from the promised land. Canaan, cursed son of Ham, cursed son of Ham, would be a lifetime enemy of Israel, the blessed son of Shem. Pause for a moment and see the generational connectedness. You've got three sons, Shem, Japheth, and Ham, Abraham in the lineage of Shin, Shem, Canaan in the lineage uh, of Ham, those two at enmity with each other. Ham really at war with enmity against Japheth and Shem. Their lineage, their lineage lives at war with each other so that when hundreds and uh, uh, thousand years later, 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, then after Joseph, and then Moses, and then Joshua. When Joshua goes into the promised land, the sons of Israel go in to war with the sons of Canaan. You got to see the, 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 the generational reality of what is going on in that scenario. You and I are not born in isolation. You and I are born into a generational reality. The intrigue of all of this gets crazier, crazier. Ham, one of the other sons of Ham is a guy named Cush. Cush fathers a, a boy named Nimrod, a fantastic name, Nimrod. Turns out Nimrod is a skillful hunter and a wildly successful builder. Remember, Ham and Shem are in conflict with each other. Ham and Shem are in conflict with each other. Canaan is cursed underneath the lineage of Ham. And also underneath the lineage of Ham is another son named Cush. Cush's son, Ham's grandson, is a guy named Nimrod. Nimrod is a hunter and a wildly successful builder. And what place does Nimrod build? Nimrod builds Babylon. Nimrod, son of Ham, cursed by Noah, is the builder of Babel. By the time we get to Genesis 11, Babel becomes the center. Watch this. This is critical. Babel becomes the center of unified man's rebellion against their creator. All of mankind is together with one language in the town built by a son of Ham, cursed enemy of Shem and Japheth. Does this sound familiar? By the time we get to Revelation 14... We will see that Revelation Babylon is the behind-the-scenes empire of empire leading all of mankind in rebellion against their creator. You just can't make this stuff up. In the Garden of Eden, what did Satan want to do? Satan wanted to lead man away in rebellion against intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we get to Genesis chapter 11, what did what happened in Babel built by Nimrod? All of man comes together to, to live in uh, uh, a dramatic act of rebellion against intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we get to Revelation 14, what do we find out by the Apostle John and the revelation of God our Father that Babylon has become a euphemism, has become a way of describing the behind-the-scenes empire of empire seeking to lead all of mankind in rebellion against their creator biblically babylon is a menace it is a menace it is an evil empire leading mankind into rebellion and the beginning of the empire was a man named nimrod grandson of the cursed ham who wars against shem and japheth All of what we see going on today geopolitically, all of what we see going on today geopolitically, China, the United States, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Palestine, is nothing more than a physical manifestation of the supernatural war exposed in the story of Babylon. Everything that we're seeing in the physical world, all of the geopolitical skirmishes, and it's not just geopolitical skirmishes today, but geopolitical skirmishes since the fall of man, Tower of Babel, Everything that we see in the physical is nothing more, and it's profound, and it's powerful, and there are real lives at stake, and it's horrific, and it's evil, and it's nasty. But the Bible gives us, God our Father gives us, appeal behind the screen, appeal behind the scenes, excuse me, to the, the real driver of what's going on in the supernatural reality. And what we see from Genesis chapter 9 all the way through to Revelation is that Babylon becomes this empire of empires, this behind-the-scenes 
a supernatural force, a supernatural organization, supernatural structure that is driving all of these geopolitical empires to lead their people in a way that dishonors God our Father, cuts them off, collective rebellion from the intimacy of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was built by the grandson of cursed Ham because of Ham's uncovering of the nakedness of his father, his father Noah. We must learn Babylon. We must learn that what's going on in the spirit is far truer than what's going on in the flesh. We must learn that what's going on in the spirit is historically connected. The historical connection is something you must see and you must appreciate for you, your life. The life you're living now is not birthed in isolation. You're not an island. You're not your own person. Those are lies specifically created by the enemy to blind you to the reality of your generational connectedness in a larger historical creation story. You are deeply connected to your generations and you are absolutely in the middle of a cosmological war between Babylon, what we will soon discover is the capital of the kingdom of darkness, Babylon, and Jerusalem that we will see as the capital of the kingdom of God. The excellent news in all of you got to wake up to that. And it's so hard because, nah, you know, churches and ministries don't talk in these ways oftentimes. And yet here it is in, in plain sight, in Babylon in plain sight. The enemy doing such an effective work to cover this over. Such an effective work to cover this over. The excellent news in all of this for you and I today is that Jesus offers to deliver us out of our generational rebellion and woundedness. Whether generationally you're just, you just, whatever your generational attitude is to the Lord, he can deliver you out of that. Whatever you're, the depth of your generational woundedness and pain, he can deliver you out of that. He offers to overpower, Jesus offers to overpower generational trajectories and deliver us into a new family, the family of his heavenly father and the purity of divine lineage. You are not bound to your generations. Further, Jesus offers to fill us with his Holy Spirit in such a way that we continually learn. We can continually be exposed and grow in wisdom and understanding the reality of life in such a way that we can become stronger, internally solid and confident, empowered. Empowered the life that is available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Mostly, mostly Jesus offers to restore us to our created intent of a love relationship with him, with our Father and with the wonder, with the wonder of the Holy Spirit. There is something, there is something far more sinister going on in this world than any geopolitical gassing of another nation's citizens or raping of another nation's uh, women. There's something, and, and that is wickedly sinister. It's wickedly sinister. But according to Babylon, there's something far more sinister going on. The effective work of Satan the strategic work of Satan, the kingdom work of Satan, to blind the hearts of men, to lead mankind in a unified rebellion against the kingdom of God and his righteousness is being played out in the geopolitical world scene every, every single day. Every single day. This is life in the overflow. Life in the overflow grows in understanding about Babylon and its hunger to destroy intimacy. Life in the overflow is drenched in spiritual vitality. Life in the overflow is eyes wide open to the true nature of the kingdom war that we live in. And I encourage you to read Genesis chapter uh, 9, 10, and 11. I encourage you to read the book of Daniel, book of Jeremiah. I encourage you to read Revelation 14 to 18 and see for yourself the role of the historical role and thread of Babel as an empire 
behind the scenes driving so much evil and wickedness in the geopolitical realities of the world that you and I live. And then as our Father opens you up to that, to stand firm in your own spiritual vitality delivered out of the weirdness and pain and whatever it is of your generational mind so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and be used of God to reach people and make disciples in the kingdom of God, kingdom disciple-making. That's why in Trexel we're very deliberate about kingdom language. In Trexel we say we build kingdom movements. We build kingdom movements of disciple-making. One person, one step, one issue at a time, because our kingdom weapon, the weapon of weapons in the kingdom war is the weapon of love. May you experience the overflowing love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for you, for you, and how he feels about you and what he has for you. And I pray that if this has been helpful for you, you send it out to all your friends and family so that they can walk and understand the role of Babel, Babylon. And we'll be back again next week to take a deeper dive into the Tower of Babel and watch how technology was leveraged, brand new technology was leveraged in a sinister way. And you'll get to see all that played out from uh, Genesis chapter 11. And if this is helpful to you, man, it would be helpful to us if you'd spread it out, share it on your highways and byways, and then uh, donate. Donate, man. If God so moves you, trexo.org backslash donate. Uh, Otherwise, uh, man, I'm here for you in any way I can to help you as we learn together to live in the overflow. Thank you for joining us in the overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.